Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. How's it going? It's going quite, quite well over here. What about you? Oh, it's, my beer's kind of a little, like, threatening to foam over right now. So that was, you know, kind of thrilling and terrifying at the same time. So, you know, keep it to me on my toes. I mean, it's good to have things exciting every now and then, right? Yeah, but I feel like I'm setting the bar real low if my beer threatening to overflow a little bit is like the most exciting thing that's happening to me right now. <laughs> podcast dangers, podcast dangers. <laughs> drinking problems. But so anyways, what are you drinking over there? So I am drinking um, Tailgate Crusher from the Ellison Brewery in East Lansing, Michigan. Or is it just Lansing? Let me look. East Lansing. I was right. So this is an uh, American light lager that my older brother, who you met at the Elfest, because you went to his house afterwards, Mm -hmm. um, he left this and another beer when they did their little pit stop after Christmas and stayed the night here. Um, So I'm finally getting around to sampling it. It's pretty good. Nice. It's very light and refreshing. So what are you drinking over there? So I'm going the opposite of light and refreshing. Mm. I'm drinking a Woody by Six Sense Brewing. <laughs> and it's a peanut butter stout. Oh, that sounds yummy. Yeah. And uh, get your mind out of the gutter. It's uh, <laughs> it's like a Buckeye stout, essentially. Okay. okay you know, okay. for Woody Hayes. Boo, Buckeye. Boo, Ohio State. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> and it's brewed by Six Sense Brewing, uh, which is down in Jackson, Ohio. We happened to be there yesterday for a wrestling tournament. So we were oh. like, we know what we're doing after this. We're going to Six Sense because it's like the greatest brewery in Southern Ohio. I mean, that and Jackie O's. So it's really funny that yours is like a, you know, f- kind of football themed one because mine is also a football themed one. Oh, but it's, like this. This is like an MSU one, not a U of M beer um but it's got like football laces on the side of it it's pretty cool but we we're so coordinated we're like in we're we're in sync (laughs) (laughs) and isn't the super bowl like sunday yes it is and go rams that's all i'm saying i i don't know if i'll watch the super bowl go football (laughs) <laughs> just watch it for the commercials i can see those on youtube right yeah but you know I, it's always just a good excuse to eat some yummy food and watch commercials and i wonder who's the halftime show this year it is maroon five is the entertainment this year which is pretty good i like maroon five yeah i like maroon five also i feel like that's a good choice good job yeah. super bowl people you know so that'll be fun yeah so we were we're so on theme and we didn't even know it like gosh we're just getting so good at this podcast thing i mean i'm not gonna lie i had to google when the super bowl was earlier so i could decide (laughs) when we needed to like post pictures of chickens with footballs (laughs) (laughs) hey you know what at least you know we're trying and that's all you can do right yeah, I mean, I, I like football. I just, I haven't really been catching up with anything lately, it feels like. I don't watch any TV anymore, it seems like. I like I work all the time. I do podcast stuff all the time. I do farm stuff all the time. So do you know who the Rams are playing? 
Yeah, they're playing the Patriots. <laughs> and for some reason, okay, so I don't watch football, and I hate the Patriots, and I don't even know why. Well, the Lions beat the Patriots once this year, so. <laughs> oh. <I> mean, uh, <laughs> so that's gonna stick pretty hard. In- yeah, the Lions yeah. just are freaking awful in general. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they did fire Jim Bob Cooter. So oh, our offensive, yeah, he was awful this year. Well, I'm sure yeah. that he was awful, but his name was awesome. <laughs> bye bye, Cooter. <laughs> <laughs> Bev and Sam laugh at Cooter. <laughs> hey, I laughed at Woody earlier. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so uh, that's the end of the football corner for this episode of We Drink and We Farm Things. Woo! Yay! I feel like. When I say we drink and we farm things and get that excited, we need, like, game show music happening. Maybe we can, like, throw some fireworks in there in the background or something. Yeah. I like that. But anyways, that's Bev over there. And that's Sam over here. Okay. And this is the Farm Comedy Podcast, where we drink adult beverages, talk about farming things, and give zero clucks about having the perfect farm life. Yeah. I mean, not that we don't want our farms to be full of good things all the time, but... You know, the realities of farm life aren't always rainbows and sunshine and unicorns and glitter. And you get it. Yeah. We we basically make a shit ton of mistakes and then tell you all about them. Yes, we do like to keep it real with you. And we have, you know, all these discussions that include the mistakes we make, um, new knowledge we gain, entertainment. And sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related, like our sporadic football corner that just happened. Yeah, I mean, those are, that's, that's just happening in the moment, non-scripted. Yes, Yes, we didn't really plan that at all. So (laughs) (laughs) if you enjoyed that little bit, you can go over and listen to some uh, other long clips of us going on BS sessions, as we like to call them, over on the Patreon. Yeah, we didn't record a BS session this week because we recorded a mini-sode instead Hopefully it dropped before this episode dropped, but if not, you'll see it soon. Don't worry. Yes, it was pretty, uh, that would be a spoiler, but we had a good time recording that. (laughs) (laughs) So, and because we drank during that and then turned around and recorded this one, we decided not to do BS this week, you know, just in case. So we're not total hot messes by the time we give you the good stuff. There we go. Yeah. Um, and you can go over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash drink and farm. And while you're over there, if you want to support this podcast, uh, you can certainly do so. We would love it so much, like from the top all the way to the bottom of our hearts. And in fact, our drinks this episode were sponsored by Montana Coombs, which is at Thimbleworks on Instagram. So cheers, lady. Yeah, Cheers. And make sure you go check out her store, thimbleworks.co. And then I believe if you use code Drink and Farm when you check out, you're going to get some percentage off. I think it's what, like 10%? Yeah, you get 10%. Yeah. And she's got some super cool things in her shop. So definitely go check that out. I think I just saw that she put some new stuff up in there too. So if you've been there before, definitely go check it out again. Well, even though we just went off on like a huge football tangent, we're like getting into this episode like right now we're jumping into some like serious shit that is going down and has been going down for a while yeah i mean so if you're a part of any chicken groups or read any type of chicken news you have heard that newcastle disease is like a huge problem in the western united states 
like specifically California, but it's also made its way to Utah as well. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, it's this viral infection in wild and domestic birds. Because it's viral, antibiotics can't cure it, but antibiotics can help prevent death from, like, a secondary infection. You know, if you, like, have one disease, sometimes you'll have comorbidities. That happens in humans as well. So, you know, antibiotics won't totally get rid of the Newcastle's disease, but it might make the birds feel a little better. There's not really anything you can do once your flock gets it, though. Yeah, from what I've read, Newcastle has, like, a hundred percent morbidity rate which sucks yeah obviously so since may of 2018 there's been hundreds of flocks confirmed to have this disease in southern california um and i guess predominantly it's been in backyard exhibition birds yeah i mean which is basically like flocks that are for show right right i'm assuming that's what they mean by that yeah i think so too or that might even be just like I mean, could we count our flocks as exhibition birds because they're pretty famous on Instagram? I mean, we don't bring them, like, to a fairgrounds, though, to show them. Oh, that's true. Which is probably probably why. But much safer to just throw up a, you know, photo on Instagram or Facebook and show off your birds. That way they're not, like, co-mingling with other birds in the show while (laughs) such a nasty disease is kind of having this hot mess of an outbreak in California. Yeah, and like I mentioned before, uh, it has moved to Utah. There were three new cases that were reported Ugh. in like pretty big Utah flocks. It says consisting of 250 birds, which it's a lot of chickens. And at least three commercial poultry flocks have been affected as well. And the way they've been dealing with that is just culling millions of birds in an attempt to halt the virus spread. So that is just... You know, the impact that that's having on these commercial farms is just really awful. Um, I'm not sure. And maybe maybe you saw this in your research. Is this kind of like Merrick's where it's kind of in the dirt for a while because of the way it's spread? It's kind of spread through like feces and feathers and dirt and things like that initially. But I don't know how long it stays in the soil. So from what I read, and I didn't take any specific notes on this, unfortunately, but it does live like in the soil for a certain amount of time. Yeah, unfortunately. So yeah, not only do they have to cull all their birds, but depending on their setup, you know, and if they let the birds free range outside or not, they can't use that land for a set amount of time again. So they have to do a complete overhaul of their setup if they have this in their in their commercial setup or in their commercial buildings, barns, whatever you want to call them. Well, I mean, if they're keeping the birds indoors and they're living in like a sterile environment, they'll just bleach the shit out of that and then they'll be able to use it again. Fingers crossed. As long as there's no dirt involved. Yeah. Right. So luckily for us humans, it's not harmful to us. It's not really a public safety issue. Uh, But those working closely with the infected birds make, contract pink eye or conjunctivitis um, and or have flu-like symptoms. So you could potentially feel the effects of it, but it's not going to kill you. 
It does not have a 100% morbidity rate in humans. Oh, thank God. (laughs) I mean, if backyard chickens were like the start of the zombie apocalypse, that would just break my heart. I mean, but I feel like that would make for a pretty good movie. (laughs) Take it, Hollywood. Take it. (laughs) Just credit the podcast, please and thanks. Yeah. So to support the disease containment and eradication efforts, the California State Veterinarian is recommending that all the poultry exhibitions that include birds from high-risk counties, which are Los Angeles, Riverside, San Bernardino, and Ventura, um, that they just go ahead and cancel those just to help reduce the risk of this spreading even further. Which makes sense. Yes. And I don't think, even if it wasn't canceled... I feel like I just wouldn't go. Not worth it. Yeah. I mean, it depends on whether or not you heard about it, right? Yeah. Um, Because, like, this didn't show up in my news or anything. Like, I heard about it because somebody posted it in our Facebook group. So. No. I thought you heard it from me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you sent some stuff, too. Sorry, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Give me my credit. I'm kidding. So one of the ways you can help combat the spread and, you know, promote the safety of your own flock is to have really high standards with biosecurity. This is a really good way to control the spread. Um, Some things you can do are wash your hands and scrub and disinfect your boots before and after entering a poultry area. Uh, keep the birds and property clean and disease-free. I feel like that's kind of like a no-shit Sherlock. Right. Keep but your birds healthy. Like... <laughs> Thanks for the tip. <laughs> right. But, you know, you know, it, it, I guess we got to say it. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> um, you don't want to be moving your birds on and off the property if you're an, in an infected area. And you want to be cleaning and disinfecting your equipment and tires before moving them off the property. So, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of this is common sense. But then you also have to think, like, people should know better by now to, like, wash their fruit and rinse their romaine. But, you know, they don't. So maybe maybe it's worth repeating just as a reminder for everybody. Well, and, you know, something else, like, to keep in mind, too, is... um... Not everyone knows that poultry is susceptible to so many, like, highly virulent outbreaks. I mean, I had no clue, really, until my first chicken got sick, and that was just sauerkraut. I shouldn't just say just sauerkraut, but, like, until you start Googling symptoms and you realize it could be, like, five things, (laughs) you have no idea what's really out there. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I didn't know that chickens were susceptible to so many things until we did this podcast. Like, talking about stuff with you on a weekly basis is just kind of like opens my whole world to how weird it is that chickens are like marketed as like the gateway easy yeah animal yeah because you know one of the things i also read when i first got well first inherited the chickens that came with my house was if you're gonna have chickens you better get used to the idea of death because they'll just like flop over and die from a heart attack it doesn't even necessarily be like you could practice every single bit of high biosecurity goodness that you possibly can (laughs) and they'll just fall over because you looked at them funny 
Yeah. <laughs> like, or because you didn't look at them funny. Right. I mean. <laughs> well, we wanted to add some tips, too, to, like, what the California Department of Veterinarians uh, recommended is, uh, like, the 30-day quarantine when you add new birds to your flock. Like, if you live in an area where Newcastle is predominant, like, absolutely. That should right. be, like, a non-negotiable. Even if you're low on space, like... Your new chicken goes in the garage. The rest of your chickens are in the backyard. Like, you got to do it. Right. Um, and obviously, you know, like we mentioned a little bit before, don't attend poultry shows in outbreak areas. And if you must, you should really burn or bleach everything you wore. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you were, like, potentially in contact <laughs> with Everything disease. you brought back goes in the burn pit. And yeah. If your backyard is so small you don't have a burn pit, just throw it in that garbage bin out front. <laughs> yes. Um, another tip would be to not go to um, like a barn sale um, to buy poultry or go to shows where you can, you know, be around the poultry in outbreak areas. Um, it might be super tempting to get that super sexy looking silky at the poultry show. Or at the barn sale, but you might want to just hold off on that if you're in one of those affected areas. Yeah. I mean, most of the country is fine, but California is a pretty big state. So, right. And this is predominantly in Southern California with the counties that they've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you want to make sure you get your spring chicks this year from reputable sources uh, because they'll be, if, if they're in, you know, an affected area, they'll probably not be sending you anything that they shouldn't be sending you. Yeah, I would hope not. And, you know, like, reputable breeders won't, but it's right. really hard if that's your livelihood. I mean, you know, right. you and I talked about how tough it was to give up the idea of sending out, you know, like, chicks and eggs mm-hmm. and stuff for you when you first realized that you were having an issue in your flock. Right. So what did I do? I ordered geese because... Because <laughs> <laughs> what else can fill that hole in your heart? Exactly. <laughs> It's totally logical to me. Yeah. So, you know, you just find, you find, life finds a way. It does. (laughs) So what is it, what are the symptoms of, you know, Newcastle disease? How could I tell that my flock has it? Well, if chickens suddenly start dropping dead, Mm -hmm. you might have an Mm -hmm. issue, but it might have just been a heart attack. So don't freak out too bad. Right. Right away. Um, there can be like sneezing or gasping for air, nasal discharge, coughing, which could all be respiratory issues and not Newcastle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not laughing because it's funny. We're laughing because like a lot of these symptoms could be other things. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they really could. They really could. But all of this information was taken straight out of a a news article. So I'm not sure... We're trying to be helpful and convey information, but at the same time, making fun of some of the information because <laughs> it's just so general. And, and it's, I'm looking for. And yes, and frustrating because, like, the next symptoms that are listed here are green and watering diarrhea, which is also something that the birds I've had that have died from um, avian leukosis have had, as well as like tremors. I mean, I've um, had birds that have had that, and then their next poop is totally fine. Right. Sometimes so, they just have a weird shit. I yeah. mean, don't, don't we all? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what goes in must come out, right? Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> but they also may have drooping wings, um, circling and swelling around the eyes and the neck. And it's important to note that even birds that have been vaccinated are susceptible to infection, just like with Merrick's, you know? Yeah. But hopefully the vaccination lowers the chance that they have. Yeah, but like my birds right. aren't vaccinated for Newcastle. I didn't know that Newcastle was know. a thing until I saw the article posted in our group. So, And I don't think like every hatchery has that as an option either. Like the big one you'll see is Merrick's, but you're not necessarily going to get like a whole list of what can I vaccinate my birds for? So something like that you might have to end up doing on your own, depending on where you're getting your birds from. Yeah. And we also pulled an older article that was from like June of 2018. So that'd be like, what, seven-ish months ago. Mm -hmm. So like this outbreak in California, like we said, isn't new. They've been fighting it for several years. It just kind of starts to ebb and flow. But we wanted to talk about this article because it suggests, like, point blank that the backyard chicken craze is to blame for this Newcastle outbreak. Boo! (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're not fans of that. But, I mean, they do have, you know, like, they do sort of have a point because... One of the things that ordinances typically address when it comes to, like, allowing backyard chickens within their city limits are, like, nuisance issues or, Mm -hmm. like, flock size. But there are no regulations on, like, how that animal has to be cared for. But it's still, like, livestock. Right. Because they don't care. Well, I shouldn't say they don't care. They might just be, like, ignorant to that because they're thinking, like, oh, well... You can't have a rooster because it's annoying AF to everybody around you. Um, but they're not like, well, you're going to spread disease if, you know, your chickens are too close with your neighbor's chickens. So, I mean, I can't really fault them for that because it might not even be in their wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, because like we that. didn't know that this was a, something that you should be worried about necessarily. Yeah. And we both have chickens. So, I mean, you can't fault anybody for not knowing this stuff. Right, unless it's like a department of, you know, agriculture that should know better, but, you know, nobody's perfect. (laughs) And some of them might try to say something, but, you know, when an idea is popular, like amongst the people, large numbers can, like, tend to silence critics, even if something that the critics have to say is valid. Mm. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Like, one of the things that I have speculated about, so this is, like, totally, like, Newcastle speculation corner, is, like, (laughs) one of the reasons why it could have spread so fast in California is because the backyards are kind of small. So, like, backyard flocks are in closer proximity to each other. Like, there's not another flock of chickens within, I mean, I don't know how far from my place, but it's pretty far Yeah, and mine's, like, probably, like, you know, like, less than a quarter mile down the road, but I don't live as remote as you do. (laughs) I mean, it's funny. I talk about how remote it is. I mean, you can, like, see other houses and stuff. In fact, I I know of somebody that has chickens. They're probably about a quarter mile as the crow flies. It would be, like, a half a mile or a mile to actually drive there. And it's kind of, like, over a hill and through the Uh, woods. To grandmother's house we go. Yeah. You know, but I that that could be a really good um, hypothesis. But we can also trace it to, I mean, 
a wild bird picks up a feather that's infected. So now the wild bird might have it. And then that wild bird just drops that feather into another backyard flock's backyard. And then the super curious weirdo chicken eats said feather. Yeah, yeah I've, I've it seen It could just be as crazy as that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it can be a fluke thing. So even if you're like pristine with your biosecurity, you might still be screwed. Yeah, which is kind of scary, but we don't mean to tell yeah. you that to scare you. It's mostly just to like right. not play the blame game. Exactly. And you can do the best that you can and and that's it. Like you can't prevent everything. Shit's just going to happen. Yeah. But like we will repeat if, if you have friends that have chickens, you should practice really good biosecurity only yes. because you just never know. And it's really hard because like, I mm-hmm. mean, I want to go meet Sam's chickens and I will get to someday. Luckily, we live far enough away. I won't be going straight back to my chickens that day. Right. So I like have time to do all the right things. Yeah. Right. And and there are products out there for washing your boots um, and things like that. When you get home, you just have to be thoughtful in that process and, you know, not wear the same clothes and go snuggle your friend's chickens and then come home and snuggle your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is really hard to do. Like, we all want to snuggle all the chickens all the time, well, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Bev, let's talk about the difference between mealworms and our flock's favorite treat, grublies. Yeah, while mealworms seem like a default when it comes to bribing your chickens with snacks, it's important to stop and think about what you're feeding them. Right, so mealworms and black soldier fly grubs are two different insects with different benefits. And your choice between these two snacks matters when it comes to the health and safety of your chickens. Yeah, like, did you know that nearly all mealworms on the market are grown in China? And we all know that food safety isn't super well regulated there, like it is here in the States. And if the label on the bag doesn't clearly say where they came from, it's probably China. But with grublies, we know that they're black soldier fly grubs that are farm grown and oven dried in the USA to ensure the safety and quality of the product. And you're supporting a small business, which is a total bonus. Yeah, and black soldier fly grubs have 50 times more calcium than mealworms, and eggshells contain 95% calcium, so the calcium requirement for laying hens is super, super high. And grublies have a unique 3 to 1 calcium to phosphorus ratio. Why should we care? Because without the right ratio, all the good nutrients you feed your hens won't be absorbed. Yeah, and great news. Black soldier fly grubs were just approved by the FDA for feed. So get your flock switched to the healthier protein snack, Grublies, and save 15% using code FARM15. So go to grublyfarms.com and order your grubs today and make sure you use FARM15 at checkout. All right, so on the internet this week, I found this open letter, um, and it, I actually found it on the Facebook page of A Farmish Kind of Life. She is another podcaster. Her podcast is called The Farmish Kind of Life. Mm. Um, And her podcast is really cool because she just like teaches you how to do something in like 10 or 15 minutes by audio. So if you don't like to read blog posts to learn, her podcast is a really great way to like learn why your bread isn't baking properly or um, why you should be doing something one way on her farm. She lives up in Minnesota and has been like a farm lady for a pretty long time. So definitely go check her out. Um, But this open letter was written by Jen Schaefer from Dusky Acre Farm. 
And I couldn't find any like updated social media or blog from her to request permission to share this letter. But since she called it an open letter, I figured it would be like, okay to read it on the podcast. Yeah. It's on the internet already. So I feel like as long as we're giving all the credit, we should be good. Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing's private on the internet anymore, right? Um, no, <laughs> yeah. it's not. <laughs> so here, I'm just going to read it verbatim. Um, and then we'll talk about it. Sounds good. <clears throat> An open letter to all of those who are working on crunching the numbers and making plans for their next year's enterprises and projects for the Homestead Farm. I see you on Facebook, on forums, and any other social media medium you call home. You've read several books and subscribed to a magazine or two, and maybe you follow YouTube channels or blogs. You've got your mentors, and you've got, or soon to get, your acreage. You're the type of person who can't wait to have it all, but since you can't have it all right now, and honestly, you wouldn't want to anyways, trust me on this, you're probably going over your finances and budgets and trying to pick your projects. Maybe you have a spouse or partner you have to clear your ideas and your budget with. Frequently, we'll see someone come up in a conversation asking questions like, how much should I spend on a chicken coop? Or, I really want a cow. Will I get enough milk to make it worth it? What breed should I buy to turn a profit selling kids, piglets, chicks, lambs, etc.? Is it worth it? How much can I sell? Well, I'm going to ask you to set down the Mother Earth news articles for a second and lay it out. Odds are the following. You will most likely never save money on groceries. You probably will not become a profitable farm business selling loofah sponges and Moran's eggs. You most likely will not retire on goat milk soap sales. But if you want to know if keeping newbie and goats is economical, let me ask you this. When was the last time a man bought a bass boat and had to justify to himself or someone else how much that boat will save them in the price of fish? When was the last time someone had to argue the cost of knitting in terms of socks unbought? And while some people do run businesses on their farm, I don't think homesteaders or hobby farmers should be holding the financial aspect up as a beacon for decisions. You don't need to concern yourself with what Joel Salatin sells his turkey for to decide if you want to raise your own flock of turkeys for Thanksgiving. And why not? Because as a homesteader, you are not counting your only profits as money saved or crops sold. You're also growing things like wisdom, experience, satisfaction, and self-sufficiency. Your soul being filled by the time on the land, dirt on your hands, and in the company of animals. I think a lot of folks forget the virtues of the quote-unquote hobby aspect of hobby farming, but it boils down to this. You don't have to justify what you're going to do as a project in terms of dollars and cents. If you can comfortably commit to a passion financially and it's within your means to raise creatures with proper care, you should absolutely try it. Try all of it. Ask lots of questions. Listen to advice from people who have the experience and the research who are making a profit for sure. But you don't have to hold yourself to the standard of matching their successes. You shouldn't not try something you're excited about because you won't earn a profit. If you are passionate about your hobbies, be they collecting cards, sewing quilts, or milking a cow and making brie, you do not have to legitimize your joy with money. Signed, Jen Schaefer, Dusky Acre Farm. I like it. Yeah, it's a pretty it, it's a pretty powerful open letter, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, and you and I have talked about this a lot, even in the podcast that we recorded earlier today, like... There can be so much pressure 
like doing stuff and seeing these really perfect looking farms and perfect looking blogs with the perfect looking pictures of them making cheese and bread. Like I make a freaking mess in the kitchen. I could never take pictures like that in my kitchen. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then they go off and they're, they're selling everything too. And that it's like a lot of pressure on social media. Kind of like when you're growing up like a teen girl and you see all the magazines and you see the girls with the big boobs and the small waists and the makeup and all that. It, it's just, this is just a different version of that. Like, the pressure that you might put on yourself for whatever silly reason. So I kind of equate it to that from the homesteaders perspective or hobby farmers perspective that, yeah, if it makes you happy and it's not stretching you financially, then why are you trying to justify it that way with every single thing you do? Well, you know, I mean, she didn't say what she wrote this open letter in response to. Um, so I have no idea. This is just like right. more speculation corner on Bev's part. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I've seen an uptick of people trying to sell you on the idea of making money doing something you love. Mm. They're like teaching you how to sell the thing that that you do. Um, and that can work in all sorts of industries. There's tons of industries that that is legitimate in. But if everybody became millionaires by starting a hobby farm, like more people would definitely be doing it. Don't you think? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Honestly, I really think that, you know, my, my own personal goal, and I really have no shame in this, and I feel like people shame this idea of, well, don't just do it for the followers. Well... You know what? I have 11K followers now, which means I can get free shit. It means that somebody might pay me for advertisement. And I'm probably going to make more off of that than the goat milk soap that I'm going to try to sell in four to six months. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing nothing wrong with, you know, I guess, I guess it's not so black and white, you know, like maybe, maybe you're really popular and you have a, a shit ton of followers and that increases your sales over the person that, you know, doesn't have that many followers, but maybe their you know, their product's better quality. So there are so many different circumstances that can make somebody's business more successful and they can make it look one way than it is another, I guess is what I'm trying to say, if that makes sense. But it, it it's just, yeah, it's just, you don't have to put that kind of pressure on yourself. I feel like I'm a little over the place with this because I'm kind of surprised because I, I, I raced through this earlier and it kind of stirred some emotion in me that I wasn't expecting. And maybe it's just the amount of pressure that one can also put on their self to legitimize their hobby. So I, I think this is really timely for for a lot of reasons. And, you know, it's kind of like a... I don't know what the right word is. I feel like I've seen a lot of, like... I mean, we've talked about how I don't necessarily feel like this is the simple life, but it continually gets like build is the simple life. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like I feel like this letter could be an answer to all of that. Like quit your corporate job, have this simple life sell all of your goat's milk soap and all of your problems will be taken care of. And that's just not that's just no. not reality. No, I have people at my work look at me and say, how do you, 
how do you do that? Like, how do you work all week and still go outside and do all this stuff? Like, I... I've had people tell me I can barely handle having just one dog. Like, how do you go do that? And it's like, because to me, it's the kind of thing I want to be doing that relaxes me in a way. Even though before we started recording today, I was freezing my face off, changing out waters (laughs) that are frozen, even though there are heaters in them. And it's going to be even worse the next couple of days. So I think, yeah, that's. And, and it's not something that I'm banking on, so I don't have to do that, you know, 40 to 50 hour a week work week. It's just something that actually eases my mind because of that lifestyle I have to live to maintain what I like to do. <laughs> it's kind of a big circle. Well, it's like the, so like you go to work so that you can pay the bills and make mm-hmm. the money. But you do the farming because you love it. Yes. Like you do it for the love of it. Yeah. Not, and that's not to say that you can't make money farming. There is money in certain aspects of it. Absolutely. You sell eggs to help offset the cost of keeping. Mm -hmm. How many chickens do you have now? Like 95. I don't even know. But (laughs) I'm just making up numbers now. (laughs) I could guess too. I might be wrong. I don't know. I was looking at my coop yesterday. I'm like, Seems like I don't have that many. But then I had to remind myself that some of them are in the barn in the smaller coops, too. Oh, yeah. Let's see. But, yeah, so we even sell them directly to our local feed store sometimes, and then that credits to our account to pay for chick food or yeah. chicken food. So, And then, you know, we're going to have baby goats soon, and depending on the number that we get out of it and what we get, yeah, I'll turn around and sell some of the kids for that and that'll make some money. But is that going to, you know, pay off a student loan anytime soon? No. <laughs> Probably not. So it kind of depends on your lifestyle too. On yeah. Whether or not like it can be sustained by farming right. activities. But Right. Yeah. So like if that is your lifestyle, this isn't meant like as a dig towards you by any means. I think right. it's more of just like a... We see you stressing out about how to justify your next project. And we're saying Mm -hmm. it's okay. You don't have to justify it. If you want to do it, you do it because you want to and because you love to. Right. Right. Not because it'll pay for itself. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because it probably won't. (laughs) No. I mean, my yarn collection certainly does not pay for itself. (laughs) I have a pretty extensive one. (laughs) Well, we can lighten the mood a bit with uh, funny things we found on the internet corner. I'm making up corners like left and right this episode. Our house has a lot of corners. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a super cute Facebook video of a duck being walked on a leash in these like little tiny (laughs) boots and his little diaper at a Walmart in Circleville. Um, And it went viral. Uh, thank you to Natalie Quist for sharing this in the group. Because um, when I saw it, I was like, Circleville, are there any other Circlevilles in the United States? And I was like, this can't possibly be Circleville, Ohio. That would just be far, far too convenient. Um, I Googled. I did not find any other Circlevilles. And the lady that posted it is from Chillicothe. So it, it's got to oh, be my Circleville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So we had to talk about it because um, Circleville is really close to me. And Circleville is also famous for its annual pumpkin show. 
But the town has also been talked about on My Favorite Murder multiple times because of its pumpkin show and the Circleville Letter Writer. So okay. we had to make this uh, this little town famous on a second comedy podcast. Like, yes. the opportunity was too ripe. <laughs> <laughs> and the video is just too stinking cute. Like... I don't know. That duck looks cuter than I do when I go to Walmart sometimes. So. <laughs> Walking on that little leash. With and the duck was boots. so well behaved. Like, I want to know where to get duck boots, first of all. <laughs> Not like duck boots I can wear, but like duck boots for my duck boots. Duck boots. <laughs> you need ducks then, right? Yeah, I need ducks. I don't have to justify it. We're not going to make any money on our ducks. <laughs> See, you can say the same thing about a donkey. There we go. Well, there will be a link in the show notes to the video because uh, the person who posted it to Facebook has a public profile and the video is currently public. Um, but I couldn't believe it. Like, as of when we're recording it, it has 21,000 comments and 82,000 shares. I mean, <laughs> I can understand why. It's pretty cute. It is totally, like, internet viral content worthy. Yeah, I wonder if she knew that that was going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. You know, I feel like that's some of the best content when they don't realize what they're putting out into the world is just greatness. Yeah. I really wish I had been at that Walmart. I, I know oh. where that Walmart is. I've been there. <laughs> Just at the wrong time, apparently. Just not when the duck was there, dang it. <laughs> Maybe the duck will be on Ellen. <laughs> oh, that'd be super cool. And then Circleville could be even more famous. Yes. We have some housekeeping for you. Gotta sweep out all those corners. Yes. Yes, we do. Sweeping, vacuuming, dusting, right? Yeah. <laughs> the dates for Coop Camp have been announced for a while now. Um, it is June 7th through the 9th, and you can register at www.fadedjanes.tv slash coop-camp.html. That'll be in the show notes, too, so you don't have to remember all that. But you guys should totally, totally come and hang out with your favorite podcasters. Yeah, which is us, right? I, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> And don't forget to take our survey. You can give us anonymous feedback. The link is in the show notes, and it's very helpful to our show if you will take it. Please and thank you. And make sure you join our Facebook group. That'll also be linked in the show notes. Or you can just direct search on Facebook. We drink Um, and we drink things? Yes, we drink and we farm things. (laughs) So you can go check that out. You'll answer a few questions. We'll let you in as long as you're not a robot. And you can hang out with a bunch of cool people. Yeah, and review us in all the places. And if you really like us, download the episode when you listen and hit that subscribe button. Yes, those numbers matter. And we will greatly appreciate anything that you do that, you know, um, can help those numbers. And leaving us a review is a really nice way to support us as well. Yeah, and don't forget that we sell merch. Sam makes a lot of super cool things on our website. One of them is this, like, insulated tumbler that's got a lid so that you can drink and farm safely without getting, like, poop and straw and shit in your beverage. (laughs) Literally. Literally. (laughs) Yep, so you can go to drinkandfarm.com slash shop for that. But we also have a second merch shop for shit that I don't make. 
That is also pretty awesome. And I just ordered a second hoodie today because I live in the first one, basically. Um, and we have awesome designs for shirts, hoodies, camping cups over there. So go to drinkandfarmmerch.com to check that out. Yeah, and send us your farm stories. If you have a story from your farm you think fellow listeners could laugh at, learn from, or just warm their hearts, we want to hear it. So you can send them to us via direct message on Instagram, or you can email them to drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And, you know, if you've got a super cool open letter to write, go ahead and send us that. Maybe we'll read it. Who knows? There's only one way to find out, and that is to send it. Yes. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, it's been fun. We hope you learned a lot. We hope you laughed a lot. And we will talk to you next week. Yeah, so drink. Farm. And and give give zero zero clucks. clucks. Bye, guys. Bye.